Welcome to the Reluctant Messenger podcast, where we discuss spiritually transformative events, encounters with angels and guides, out-of-body explorations, and much more. This episode originally aired as a video on my YouTube channel, The Reluctant Messenger Unleashed, a virtual book club hosted by Donna Rebido. You can find links to my YouTube channels on my website at CandiceSanderson.com. Hello, Reluctant Messenger Unleashed Nation. Welcome to episode 14. We will be unleashing chapter 4, part 3, Changing Perspectives. Now, I'm your host, Donna Rebido, and with me is author Candy Sanderson. Welcome back, everyone. I'm glad you could join us for yet another adventure into the unknown. Okay, everybody, open your books. Let's go to page 60. Candy, there's a message about letting go of personal history to eliminate drama. Now, this really hit home for me. There's still a lot of personal history that I've had to release over the years, and some of my people are still stuck in that drama. But I was pleasantly surprised that the messengers had you include it in this chapter, and I'm quoting on page 60. Drama occurs when there is perceived wrongdoing or perceived injury by another person or a group of people. If you no longer engage in past personal history, there's nothing to react to. And I have absolutely used this now as my personal motto. So my question to you is, what did they want us to learn specifically? And what did you learn from this? What I like about this message is a perceived wrongdoing or a perceived injury by another person. It's all about our perception. This message came in July of 2014, and I was still learning. And once again, the messengers are driving home to me the importance of energy. Personal history has its own set of energy. If you drag it along, it will only hold you back. That message was important, but the most important part was the vision that accompanied it. Here I was in a field with an open parachute pulling against me. It was making it so hard for me to even stand, and I I couldn't move forward without really struggling. I realized that parachute represented my past, and those cords that connected that parachute to the harness on my back represented those energy ties to the past events. And as I cut those cords one by one, I could feel it as I was just released from this burden of the parachute, this burden from my past. Now, Donna, this was a very simple yet profound vision. It's one thing for them to say, letting go of personal history will eliminate drama. But it's another thing to actually experience it through the vision. I think both the ladder of enlightenment from um, our last episode and the parachute visions were really making me rethink my life. I was changing perspectives, my perspectives, and I was really beginning to understand that everything is energy and how that energy affects us. You know, it's a great reminder of how much the past can hurt us, how much we really drag along. And I like what they added to it on page 61. It says, uh, especially personal drama is often accompanied by worry. And that's really a great lesson about how they hook up the drama and worry. Um, 
let's go to the bottom of page 61. They say, worry can be an opportunity for growth, to learn to reframe the event, like we've been learning from this chapter. I know this entire section has helped me. It's the most marked up part of the book that I've done. I had highlighted margins. <laughs> I have it all over the place. How did that message help you, the one about uh, the worry? I was beginning to embrace that fact that everything is energy. I started seeing emotion and memories through the lens of energy. And when I did that, I literally saw how they affected me, just like the vision of the parachute holding me back. I saw how past energy prevented me from advancing. But this new message kind of took a different spin on things. I now had a chance to look at things that used to bother me. And I could use that. It was like, I don't know, it was kind of like a heads up of there's a lesson for me. In the past, I would either ignore these or cow from them. And if something caused me to worry, I would go in the opposite direction if something was uncomfortable. But then I realized I was the one who was in control. I was the one who could turn things around and not let it control me. I was beginning to accept and then later embrace the unknown. I was learning to trust in the broader picture and to know that there was something that I couldn't see, angels, my guides, but that energy, that non-physical source actually had my back. They were there to help me. But these past few lessons once again became tools and I could use them in my day-to-day -day life. It was great. So what I do is I take my margin notes and I sometimes make uh, a three by five card or sticky notes. And on the top of page 62, I actually wrote a note to myself, worry is a cue. And when you start to worry, you're worrying about something. I have stop, pause, and reframe. And I love that. So how do you use these tools? Do you, you know, how did you do this? How did you do it? Donna, remember several lessons back when we first introduced the POE, the point of existence? Yeah. And we said it was a dot. You used to say, I love that dot. Love that. It all goes back to that dot that you referenced. Our POE, our point of existence, once we know it's there and we recognize it, we can use it. And this is what I do now. I realize that our POE likes to rest comfortably inside us. That's what makes us think that we are our physical bodies. We can learn to unhinge our POE from our body and let it expand outside of our limited selves into that field of energy that surrounds us. And that is when we start seeing things from a larger perspective. You know, I was learning so much from the messengers, especially what I describe in this chapter. So I started intentionally changing my perspective. That made such a difference. It let me view the world differently. I didn't always see the new perspective in real time, but just knowing that there was a larger perspective made a huge difference in my life. I found myself taking an intentional, deep, meditative breath. I learned to put a space between the situation that might be challenging but just that one breath allowed me that space 
to act instead of react. It's that pause that helped me see that there was a larger picture and not everything was black or white as our senses might suggest that they are. You know, I love the dot and I love changing the POE so that I can look down uh, like you said, larger perspective changes everything. And I wrote this. I wrote this other note, same page. It says, "Pause and make a choice." And I think that's what these tools are doing. It's really, you know, making us aware. You know, what I always tell my students: first, you must become aware of something before you think and do something. You have to be aware that it's a possibility. So I think it's some really great advice from the messengers. I like that. Let's go over to page uh, sixty-three. Okay, there's something you talk about there. And you toss about that accident in the parking lot, but it was something that struck you uh, for years. Why was it so significant? Can you tell, tell us a little bit about that parking lot? I wish I knew why it was so significant. To me, it's fascinating how something that is so minor can affect you. It can impact you. You don't always know why at the time, and maybe you never know why. But that in itself can be a lesson, knowing that some small act that you do can impact others in ways that you'll never know, whether your act was of kindness or maybe it was something not so kind. We influence others all the time by what we do. It's our energy that affects them. In this situation, years ago, I was at a shopping mall and I was in bumper to bumper traffic you know, sandwiched in this huge line of cars. We were just trying to exit the parking lot. Right in front of me was this huge, bigger than life truck. I would actually need a ladder or a step stool to climb into. I saw another couple come by to get in their parked car and they started to back up. And they were like seconds away of backing into this huge truck. And I thought, how can they not see this giant truck? I blared my horn to stop them. First of all, I'm typically a polite driver. If I ever have to use my horn, it's, it's a gentle tap. I never honk. Well, this was a, a blare. And they stopped immediately. And they looked around and they saw what happened and how I prevented them from hitting the truck. And so they waved at me. I waved back. Well, The truck driver didn't know that. From his perspective, he must have thought I was honking at him to move, and no one could move. We're all sandwiched in. He unrolled his window, looked back at me to get eye contact with me, and he gave me the middle finger. You know, that's a great example of the fundamental attribution error that we were just talking about. You know, he made an error. He attributed your horn to you personally instead of looking at the situation. Here I was actually preventing his truck from being hit. But instead he was angry. Why? Because he didn't know what I knew. If he did, he would have been appreciative. But he assumed. And you know what happens when you assume. You make the fundamental attribution error when you assume. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But it's interesting. This story actually came up in conversation. A couple years ago, I was out to eat lunch with some friends I used to work with. 
I was talking to a former teacher. Well, she's still a teacher, but she she and I used to work at an elementary school. And when I described this truck, her mouth dropped open and she blurted out a name. She knew who owned that truck. This was a former student, someone that both of us had worked with in elementary school. For some reason, knowing years later that I knew who that owner of the truck was, seemed to make this incident even more significant. The takeaway was, you don't know how your actions affect others or who they affect. If you just remember, there is always a larger perspective than what our physical senses can perceive. So take a deep breath, choose kindness when responding. And if it's something that really pushes your buttons and you can't respond with kindness, then choose to respond with neutrality. Yeah, I like that. And that's, that's really so you, Candy. And I love that your motto for this year is kindness. And an, another point about the story is that, uh, you know, like people say, well, karma, what goes around comes around. And I just kind of want to wrap it up with a story uh, about my dad. And it reminds me of the idea of paying it forward. When I was four, our house burned and the community was so kind to my father because the five kids, five little kids around Christmas and they just rallied to him and made it the best Christmas we ever had. And it so struck my dad that he started volunteering for the American Red Cross. I couldn't wait till I was 16 and I could go with my dad. So I, I would go with my dad and we'd, we'd help these people. And so by being kind and paying it forward, you never know how long it takes. So in Phoenix, about f- something like 40 years later, I was, a- I was absolutely able to realize that in some of my charity work, I was able to touch one of these people from this community. And they, they were really appreciative of it. But the point was that the kindness that those people showed to my dad affected me I grew up doing all kinds of charitable work because of this. And then 40 years later in Phoenix, I can meet one of those people and help them. And I said, you know, you helped my dad and now I can help you. So, yeah, the the timing of it, the kindness of it um, is really, really important. And it kind of brings up, um, if we go to 63, instead of talking about the fundamental attribution error, you bring up the emotional guidance system. We first learned about it in Chapter 2, Good Vibrations, again in Chapter 3, Father Time. But I want to go to that October 14th message. And I said page 63, but it's really um, 63 in the top of the top of 64. You have um, the emotional guidance system. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about that? They, they say there's wisdom. The emotional guidance system allows... Uh, what is often referred to as wisdom to take the helm in decision making. So, you know, I was making some decisions based on, you know, what happened in my life. But it's like um, that emotional guidance system, we can do this wisdom, but they say it's like animal instinct for humans. What's that about? The emotional guidance system does operate like instinct. And maybe it is what we call instinct. But it's that natural reaction that we have to our surroundings. It's not thinking it through. It's our gut reaction, our gut feelings. If we can learn to move our awareness, our POE to our hearts, then that allows us easier access to this wisdom. Then we can use the heart 
to connect with our expansive nature, the field of awareness that's around us. But it's through the heart that we're able to move our POE into that energy where we can access a greater perspective and higher guidance. If we go to the bottom of page 54, it said, the message says, when you see something in a different light, it literally describes what happens when your perspective changes. The energy in the form of light becomes different. And that is when it gives us a different interpretation. We even get signs for that. The next paragraph says that when we're on the right path, the emotional guidance system gives a clue, a sign indicating that the alignment is perfect. And this is when, whether we call it instinct or not, we'll get tears of joy, we'll get cold chills, you get a feeling of just feeling great or being uplifted. This is that emotional guidance system at work. When we're not in alignment with source, the emotional guidance system tells us the same thing too. We get reactions, but they're different. They're like your, your stomach's cramping or you find yourself gritting your teeth or you get headaches or your heart's racing. Your blood pressure is rising. It all comes from that emotional guidance system that is helping us with discernment on which is the path we need to take. You know, it's really good. And, and again, it's another tool. I like adding the heart. It's not just, you know, taking your POE, getting a larger perspective, but you got to bring your heart into it. And that's really the emotional guidance system. You got to add that in and it helps us with our day-to-day lives. So I'm looking at the rest of the chapter. I think this is a good place to end. In the next episode, uh, episode 15, we should finish the chapter. And from there on out, the rest of the book, we're going to do a whole chapter per episode. We've taken the first four to lay all the groundwork and especially chapter four, there's a ton of tools here. So don't forget your homework. We're starting on 65. (laughs) In the meantime, share, like, love, follow us on social media. Until next time, you guys, love you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Reluctant Messenger. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, remember, how we use our personal energy is what defines us. Bring in those vibrations of love and gratitude and see how your life will change.